The Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Jason Allen Key. Gentlemen, 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 welcome to another Comedy Zone Podcast. We got the whole gang with you today. What's up, buddy? I'm up, good, everybody? man. I'm good. We got Jason, Brian. I, I, I'm well. How you guys doing? I tell you what, I am just ecstatic. Really? <laughs> I could hear. I could hear that in your yeah, voice. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, listen. Hey, you know what? Things are good. All things considered, uh, I'm, I'm I'm feeling good. I, I, knock on wood. I'm happy and healthy uh, with the family. How about you, Brian? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. It, it's all. Everything's over, right? Everything's done. We're done with it. Right, we can go out now. <laughs> Everything's we're all it's over, right? I think it's over. I think you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's over. Yeah. We can we can run naked in the streets and yeah. Congratulations, that everybody. Over means? <laughs> yeah. That's, That's what, what it means for me. So you can get back. Yeah, to that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so when you said naked in the streets, did you mean celebration or that's your normal routine? <laughs> that's that's my Saturday night thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm not judging. <laughs> Have you ever gone streaking? Have either of you ever gone streaking? <laughs> no. That's, you know, no, his voice so. went up. Will his voice went up? That <laughs> usually means you're lying. I don't know. No, I, I can't say that I have either. Skinny dipping? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> in a in a in what type of body of water? Uh, a a pool? Uh, no, hot tub, not a pool. Damn! Oh, right? I know, right? <laughs> that's what right. they were recruiting you to college. <laughs> yeah, that's how they got me to. And hot tub full of coins. So you sign. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You show no, everybody yeah, the grapes. Really... All right. No, not everybody. No, no, no. Just, just me and the wife. Oh, okay. But, but to your yeah, point, so it, wasn't it, it looks like a lot of stuff is uh, opening back up. I guess there's been a new order or something because stuff seems to be back up and going here in North Carolina. Yeah, it's all over. It, I mean, we got, it seems like phase <laughs> two is... <laughs> right, the phase two is like there. You can go to restaurants. It's still ten people with distancing. Is am I? Am I? I don't want to give bad information. There's too much of that going around as is. Yeah. No, you're right. So phase two is restaurants uh, at fifty percent capacity uh, with uh, social distancing. Um, still no gyms, no yoga studios, no hair salons. I believe hair salons. I guess by appointment only. Um, uh, but still, yeah, like indoor gatherings are, are, are 10 people or less. Um, but that doesn't say, uh, I, it, you know, there's still a lot of people, especially on a holiday weekend, still just, you know, a lot of people just going out and getting too close and 
I don't know who knows who knows where we're headed, but uh, I, I I have I myself have a bad feeling about the next few weeks. But uh, well, well it certainly gives me pause. I, I don't want to I don't want to you know pretend I'm I don't have a side of me that's you know has a degree of of excitement about things opening up. I would be a liar if I if I said I wasn't you know hoping for the best uh, while kind of expecting the worst. I would say. Ooh. Have um, have you guys gone anywhere since Friday? Phase two wasn't like restaurants or anything like that. I was yeah. gonna, and then there was a tornado, and I was like, I think I'm just gonna stay in. <laughs> you were about to go to a restaurant, Jason? <laughs> no, oh. no, but that's, that was crazy. That was crazy that, town. Yeah, that storm the blew in. Was in so like, ironic, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right before five o'clock on Friday, when everything was supposed to open up. Hard not to. That did happen right around then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and yeah, that shit touched down. I mean, there it hit neighborhoods like it was real. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. also, is, why isn't anyone going? Uh, I'm sorry, I've lived here for 20 years. No tornadoes. There was one like two years ago that killed a Walmart, and now we've got one in, dropping down in neighborhoods. Yeah, right. Like tornadoes weren't really a thing here that I know of, or am I mistaken? I think they were, but they were never, it was rarely, I should say, sort of like, you know, inside the Charlotte um, city limits, like, you know, outskirts Mecklenburg County. I can remember uh, when I was in um, local TV here, there would be, you know, a couple tornadoes a year that would touch down in sort of the outskirts and in kind of the more rural areas. But yeah, I don't remember Mm -hmm. anything like, what was it a month ago or so? There was the one in, in, uh, uh yep. matthews i don't remember where yeah but it was some well, there was one i do remember that yeah and then and now i don't know that they've confirmed that the one on friday was a tornado but there was that one street was it third street in charlotte that just like you know a whole row of uh, um, trees were knocked down and i don't know if that was a microburst or a tornado but um, it was severe enough that it's like yeah it it does kind of make you wonder about what 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 is happening with the weather because that is awfully yeah. you know inside the charlotte city limits i think it's unusual to see if bill paxton was alive twister That's two right. mecklenburg <laughs> twister two mecklenburg county That's right. Uh, God, it, God rest his soul. mecklenburg county what kind of stuff would you see flying by <laughs> uh, brewery. brewery signs <laughs> that start there. <laughs> oh we have cows cowfish we have cowfish <laughs> just let me like rolling over would be like you know name a brewery heist brewery rolling by and they drive through it and smash through the front of the yeah, window that's exactly yep yeah. I'm just Yoga showing mats. that I know the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yoga mats. <that's> <laughs> it's a great movie. I'm I'm gonna go on record. Doesn't Twister. quite hold up as good as it did before, but I still love that movie. Twister's great. Yeah, it so, hasn't held up very well, but I would agree with you. It's it's one of those movies that like if it's on TV, you'll sit and watch it wherever yeah. wherever you picked up. It's more of a comedy now than when it first came out. We'll say that. That's usually what happens. Yeah. They, don't, they, they, yeah. they rarely get worse. They just get funnier. Well, I wonder if that's like, if that's the role that like Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman wishes he had turned down. I can't imagine. No it was way. early in his career, uh, but man. 
It was. It was. He was great. All those, all that whole team in the in those vans and trucks, they're all sort of yeah. like pe- people who turned into, you know, somewhat famous actors, actually, which was great. Yeah. Well, Sharknado stole all the thunder from Twister. So who, once, who did? Sorry. Shark, Sharknado. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Once that hit, man, that that took the uh, the the tornado game. You know, anything having to do with swirling weather, that, that's over now. They they cornered <laughs> right. that market. They really did. They stole Twister's thunder. Oh it, well, if you uh. If you got a Twister movie and it ain't no sharks and shit flying around in it, nobody wants to see it now because of. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe that that's actually true. And there's been like four Sharknados. I think yeah, there's been more than four. I want to say there's been six. Hold on. Six? Oh, yeah, at least. Uh, let's see. So does each one have a creative little name, like a Stronger Breeze Part 5 or something? <laughs> I think so, actually, right? I, I I'm not sure. Brian, are you looking it up right now? Did I hear you say that? Uh, yep, I am. I'm I'm on IMDb. All right, so here we go. So Sharknado, um, 2013 already, by the way, was when the first Sharknado wow. came out. Uh, so Sharknado was 2013, 2014, Sharknado two, the second one. It <laughs> That's was what's called. Cool. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Uh, 2015 Sharknado 3. Oh hell no! Are you for real? Wow, I I am not making this up. Uh, also 2015, and I don't know what order these came in. Uh, but there were three Sharknado films in 2015. So Oh hell no was number three. Uh, Sharknado Heart of Sharkness. Oh my god, that's awesome! Is that real? That's amazing. That's real, but I don't know if, if it aired on sci-fi. Oh, it was a mockumentary, apparently, that may not have been connected to. Uh, it was it was connected to the original Sharknado, but it was supposed to be like a Heart of Darkness, uh, you know. Um, and then Sharknado Feeding Frenzy, uh, which appears to be a documentary about the Sharknado. Okay, so Sharknado 3 is the only official Sharknado uh, entry in the canon for, for Sharknado 3 is what? Uh, uh, that's the only movie actually in the, in, the, in the sequence. The other two were documentaries about Sharknado. So uh, Sharknado 3, oh hell no, in 2015. Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens in 2016. Wow. <laughs> They're just—they're just punning the hell out of it. <laughs> about a franchise that knows exactly what it is. Well, that's what I was just going to say. That yeah, you got to give them credit for for getting it. Um, yeah. twenty seventeen Sharknado Sharknado Five Global Swarming. Oh God! <laughs> I don't—I I don't know how to react. To be perfectly honest, uh, yeah. this is so—it's yeah. a lot to process. So, uh, so, so there's more. 20, uh, 2018, The Last Sharknado, It's About Time. <laughs> so, That's being aware of itself. That's perfect. Yep. So every year from 2013 to 2018, there was a Sharknado movie. So six of them total. Six. Okay. So, and wow. each, most of them had a little clever pun on the front of it. Except for, well, yeah, except for, I guess, the first one. 
and the second one that was just called the second one and then the third one oh hell no it was one what was the one it's about damn time or what is it uh the last one yep <laughs> it's about the end at the final yeah the final sharknado yeah i mean so by it, the end of it it's just all like just them and green screens just like doing chintzy shit it's it's pretty bad so i haven't seen them all i don't want to give that impression have it, have either one of y'all seen more than one no, I think I've seen parts of parts of like of two of them. I I remember there was one holiday that my I got a bunch of nieces and nephews and they were laughing at it. And I was just like, what the hell? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I was like, it's a Sharknado. <laughs> it's finally reached mainstream at the King household that we're going to watch it at Thanksgiving, you know, the next day or some shit. I have yeah. not seen one of those Sharknado movies like I've seen almost none of it. I don't even yeah, know how, I feel like, how this all happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you. I think you can't really go back now and watch it because it's going to look terrible, you know. Unless you're watching it with friends, but you have to kind of take it in the in the you know. It's a little bit. It's a little bit sort of Rocky Horror Pictureish, right? You know, where you have to kind of go into it, Ooh, you know, you know knowing what, Brian, what you're getting I, into. I, Brian, I appreciate what you were saying. Uh, I am like such a big fan of Rocky Horror. But I gotta, sure. I gotta say that maybe that wasn't the best example, and we'll, we should pick a different example. Like maybe it's more like um, the first like remake of Star Wars. Like it's that bad because I like Rocky Horror. I don't like those early Star Wars ones. It's like it's like the Jar Jar Binks of of Star Wars. Oh, right. God, Can say that. I know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. Yeah. Rocky Horror but I think actually the first theater. one, I think, uh, I think, <laughs> I think the first one has its merits, though. I think as a as a as a, as a sci-fi movie, uh, uh, knowing what I mean, you know, at the time sci-fi was kind of known for making these crappy um, horror they movies, sure and as long as right you go that. into it, yeah, as long as you, you know, if you go into it knowing what you're getting into. You know, you can't okay. like right. you know go into it thinking you're going to see you know a, a classic horror movie like The Exorcist or something like that. You know, you have to kind of go into it knowing what you're getting. And I feel kind of the same way about Rocky Horror. Like, have you ever have you ever watched Rocky Horror just alone by yourself? I'm a I'm a pretty big fan, uh, and I was born on Halloween, so I'm kind of I'm I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I've ne- I've never yeah. I've seen Rocky. That's about it. It's, I mean, I get the campiness of it, though, with Rocky Horror was, was but was all by design where I think so much of Sharknado yeah. was, it, you know, by default of being so bad, it became a cult where Rocky Horror was, you know, they I don't think they set out to do what it became, but it was, you know, just Tim Tim Curry. You know what I mean? He's that guy's. Yeah. Like, yeah. He is a brilliant actor. They had they hired g- yeah. great people at least at mm-hmm. the top. You know. Anyway, this yeah. t- we're going off the rails here, but I I totally appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. I just got to defend, you know, my my, my Rocky. It, I that's I think that's fair, but I also I mean I think that you know I think Rocky Horror is a, I think the point that I was trying to make is that Rocky Horror is a better experience watched with people. To, um, I'm totally than it is. Agreed. Agreed. 
And then the same thing with um, Sharknado. If you have a group of friends who like, you know, generally get together to bag on movies, then Sharknado's the, you know, is a good movie to do that with. I totally agree. You're right. As I tweak my my response, it's like <laughs> community hanging out with Abed. We would go watch Sharknado. Exactly. Exactly. There we go. Yeah, there actually, is. just totally watched your point. Um, I just watched that episode yesterday. That's yeah, <laughs> I love communities back on that. That's so great. It's one of my favorites. Man. So, so basically, what we're saying with Sharknado is the target demographic for that movie was people that like to get together and make fun of movies. It certainly became I think, that. Was the first yeah, that does not movie. sound like a big audience. I mean, it wasn't going to be in the well, theaters I, ever. No. But I think all those, all those, um, all those sci-fi movies are built for that audience. You know what I mean? You definitely know what you're getting with a sci-fi movie. You're getting shitty uh, special effects and you know, fairly bad acting, and a, and what was probably a hastily written script. And I mean, that's what a they, cheap budget. That, that's what you know. come over time. But I mean, when are we talking about with Rocky Horror Picture Show? What the eighties? That came out. 70s. That was a seven. That was in the seventies. But I will say that there was definitely there is a market for the campy sci-fi that doesn't necessarily seek to be campy. It just happens to be campy. So, and, and I got to give my mom a lot of credit on this. My mom loves these these types of movies. My mom, they will have mm-hmm. sci-fi on throughout the day, or have yeah. anyway. And I'm not sure sci-fi the channel exists the way that it did uh, a couple years ago. It doesn't. But they love those campy sci-fi movies. They literally would watch them all day long. Not, you know, not just sit there sat, sitting in front of, on the couch watching it, but like it was always on and be like, Oh, with this one. Oh, we love this one with the big spider. And that comes out and then the, and then the big, uh, you know, moss yeah. comes out at the end or whatever. They know all of them. It's hysterical, man. They got, they were had, they were way ahead of, ahead of time with the, those campy movies. So yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely a market for it or there was anyway. So, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. The movie was released in 1975, but before that, it it was a it was a musical. Uh, it was a play. And, oh, I don't think I knew that. Uh, it was a play before the movie. Yeah, interesting. Uh, born in a where is it? Uh, in a small uh, shoot. I had maybe it. I, I, um, I may have known that at one time, but I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a play. Let me see if I can find the Wikipedia entry. But it 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 was a play before it was a movie, and then it was a play again. Um, oh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I knew they were doing the play again. See, we we used to go watch it. This was in high school. Uh, they used to do it all the time, but mostly like you know in October, I'd go every weekend, and they would play it at midnight at the theater. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they would they would sell it out every time, and there was you know just a number of cues when you you know you would yell stuff at the screen and bring toast. You throw toast during the toast and yeah. rain yeah. when it rains. Yeah. 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 It was. Uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was crazy. Uh, movie released in 1975, based on the 1973 musical stage production, The Rocky Horror Show. Awesome. That's really cool. So then when they released that at the time, they didn't mean for it to be campy or they fully knew what they were doing? 
I don't believe that it was supposed to be campy, but again, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm I'm a fan, but I'm not. I don't think I'm quite. For those listening, because I mean, we're trafficking some terms. Trafficking in some terms, our audience may. What do you? Can you let people know what you mean by campy? When I say campy, I think it it is something that is not necessarily it is low production value, um, not intention, not intended to be, uh, you know. Low production value. They did the best they could. It happened to not live up to what they perhaps wanted, and therefore it's you know it's just not of not of the same you know production value of of a normal sort of feature that would come out. Therefore, it has a a certain tone and aesthetic to it that you either mm-hmm. sort of appreciate it for its low production value and therefore it's campy or you don't and you just think it's garbage. I, th- I, yeah. I think it's somewhere in there. Brian, I'm sure you have a little more eloquent. Yeah, I think it, um, when you consider too that, that, that um, you know, what the movie was. So um, Tim Curry uh, plays a transvestite yeah, uh, um, doctor who's trying to build himself a lover out of the parts of other humans, right? Yeah. So um right. Dr. The, the, <laughs> so the the, the, the subject is already um you know for the mid 70s the subject is already kind of out there and it, the movie in its in its initial release was not particularly particularly successful um it wasn't until they started screening it um, at midnight um, in theaters that um, it started to develop an audience and then all all this sort of the the underground sort of cult thing started to happen people singing with it people coming to the uh, screenings dressed up and throwing rice and toast and all that other stuff um and there's a it was never uh, oh, sorry brian go ahead no it was never actually uh, 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 pulled from theaters it started a midnight run this is on uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Um, April Fool's Day, nineteen seventy-six. Uh, the film began its midnight run at the Waverly Theater in New York, and then spread to other counties in New York and to Long Island. And then it kind of started to uh, um, spread. People kind of started to hear about it in this sort of underground way. Uh, Pittsburgh and Chicago. Uh, before long, nearly every screening of the film was um, accompanied by a live cast of fans who would come dressed up as the characters. Um, yeah. It's considered to be the longest-running release in film history. It benefit, benef- benefited from a 20th Century Fox policy that made archival films available to theaters at, at any time. It's never been, pulled by, never been pulled by 20th Century Fox from the original 1975 release um, and continues to play in theaters at more often than not at midnight. That's brilliant. And there's a contemporary example of, of a campy film, uh, Will, called The Room. Are you familiar with The Room? No. <clears throat> no. So, and Brian, I'm sure you can help me with, with this as well. The Room, I, I, I'm i not going to remember any of their names, was a basically a movie produced by this guy who was a, an aspiring actor. And, and there was a, a movie based on the making of this movie, The Room, that James Franco starred in where he played the main character and the room was just this completely awful poorly acted poor poorly executed in in every way uh the story how it was written the just top to bottom there was all this controversy that surrounded the the guy who 
who created it, and I'm not going to remember his name right now, um, that it's taken off so much so that they they do this, like, I mean, damn near the same thing with Rocky Horror that they, they do now with The Room. And it's just, it plays all over the place, and people mm-hmm. go nuts, and it sells out, and they, they watch it. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they've, they're beginning to develop this this thing where you yell certain things out while they're while it plays and stuff. Um, which, if you haven't seen it, watch that before you watch James Franco's version, which I don't remember what it's called, but it came out about three years ago. And I think he won a, an Oscar yeah. for it. The uh, Disaster Artist. The Disaster the Artist. Name of the... There it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a good example of something that's campy. Um, campy, I, I want to say, usually is, is an unintentional term of endearment for for a for a story outside of those you know the sci-fi movies which which are campy and i think to some degree by design and and Mm. so what would you what would you say then is the common if there is one a common thread that runs through these movies because you could have a movie that's just bad and it seems like when people like it or it becomes some kind of cult classic it, all of a sudden it's cute and campy instead of just bad. Yeah. So what, what makes it, what makes it lovable and campy as opposed to just a bad movie? Like what, what is it that you think people gravitate? I, think if, I will, I'll throw two things out there. Uh, and again, I, I value Brian's opinion on this. Uh, one is, uh, um, somewhere in, in, uh, in leadership, there's a failing in leadership, whether it's the writer, director, producer, somebody is, uh, making poor decisions uh, two, it's usually just not enough money or production value to live up to to what what they aspire to do. Um, three is usually uh, a lot of times it's uh, performances, just you know people uh, in in over their heads, um, <laughs> you know, just not able to to you know live up to to what they've what they have in their brains or what's what's on the page. Um, I think most of the time it's just this usually some some leadership issue that they just can't you know whether they're they're not skilled enough they don't have no experience or whatever it is where they've just created something that's just way beyond their depth so i don't know brian what do you think it's that it's that good bad versus bad bad argument right like you know there are there are movies that are good bad like uh plan nine from outer space you know, and then there are movies that are just plain awful, you know, that are just bad, bad, just yeah. bad writing, bad directing, bad, you know, I think the thing that like Ed, Ed Wood's movies have and the movies that are kind of uh, 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 that fall into that good, bad category are they're made with a sense of earnestness and, and, and heart that, that. Yeah, that's it, great. It, it, you know, that, that adds, even though like, you know, you know, that, that, that uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space was made, you know, on a shoestring budget by uh, a a guy who's commonly regarded as the worst director in Hollywood history. But yet, uh, people remember him over, you know, some of the, you know, of the great directors in Hollywood because he he came at it from such a a a a, a, a genuine place of love of Hollywood and 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 storytelling and and um and that's why plan nine from outer space which which if left on its own you know it really is a crappy script <laughs> but it's it's right uh the way that movie ended up is 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 now um it's looked back on as as 
as this kind of period of time in Hollywood where you could do something like that. Uh, if you did it, you know, again, from a place of, of earnestness and I don't know if anything that I'm saying makes sense at all, but, but it's, it's. No, actually, Brian, I think you nailed it. I do think that there is something about something that's aspirational about these things that doesn't quite live up to what they wanted. Like all the heart and passion in the world is put into these things but the 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 they run out of talent they run out of money they run out of special effects yeah, yeah. and they're just not able yep. to live up to it so i i think i do think you've sort of kind of nailed it um the the room is an example where maybe it doesn't quite have uh you know the heart because it seemed a little especially when they dive into the behind the scenes it's a little nef- not nefarious but there's a little seediness to it but that guy is the guy who still was earnest in his passion to, mm-hmm. to do to 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 be a famous actor and director yeah uh so i i think you're i think you really nailed it yeah well and even I though everything goes so... mm-hmm. um, even though everything goes wrong they you know they put their heads down they continue to do the work and they get the you know the thing done you know and, and you know and... uh uh oh sorry go ahead brian no you for... um, go ahead that I'm Another sure movie will that, that might go to um and this is oh man, I'm gonna sound racist as hell. You have you seen that movie? Uh uh This is Dolomite. Say it again. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called This Is Dolomite, Eddie Murphy's latest yeah. movie. Loved it. Yeah, so that is an example of someone who's literally making a campy movie. Well, those are black exploitation films. Were they all campy? Uh I'm not as familiar, but when I watched that, I'm not. I was not familiar with Dolomite in any way, or that character, that that man. Um, I didn't know the story of him at all, and I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, they're making they're making this, like a campy movie." He just he was like, "I don't want to go through the, this other process of getting other people." He had high aspirations and tried to do it himself. So, and and again, forgive me, I don't I don't really know much about exploitation films but it looked to me like he was making it just a like this campy movie and was famous for making campy movies I, I, again that's that's the most knowledge i have and i want to tread lightly i don't want to be insulting towards those movies or if there's a yeah. you know an issue of cultural sort what of is, significance to them well i've seen i mean i've seen a a, a a number of of those movies those black exploitation movies and uh it a lot of them reminded me kind of like of Dolomite, where you know you had these productions that, of course, couldn't get funding from any major outlets. So you know people were were dealing with, like you said before, shoestring budgets and making, you know, and like you see in Dolomite, they were they were telling a story yeah. that a certain segment of people could relate to, and then you had you know other you know, other aspects of it that kind of transcended it, like the, some of the heroism and some of the other stuff. But um, yeah, man, those movies are, were wildly uh, popular and uh, a lot of people look back on them as cult classics. Yeah. I think that uh, you can make the argument that a lot of those old grindhouse movies, that there was an element of camp, you know, to to a lot of those old um, grindhouse movies, uh, which just appealed to a particular moviegoer again um, made on a really low budget with not a particularly good script but a lot of boobs and a lot of blood and you had something you know yeah, you had a movie blood. 
<laughs> yep. Yeah. But that's interesting. That's, you know, I, yeah. I think now today, I mean, the way movies are funded now, it's hard to imagine a lot of that kind of stuff making it to theaters these days, right? Yeah. Oh boy, that this is a this is a whole segment on it. <laughs> On its own, am I right, Brian? The 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 idea of the low budget movie now is it's gone. It, it it's well, it's gone, but yeah, it, it's been trampled uh, more so than it sort of faded away. It didn't fade away; it was smothered. It was it was buried. Um, I say that with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because we came out of the the nineties, where where the the low budget indie was was king, man. It was mm-hmm. making the best movies. It was this whole new voice, uh, this new generation, this new voice that we hadn't heard before that was that had great stories to tell in unique ways. New styles of filmmaking and and storytelling was uh, was coming out. And fast forward to today, where if it's a movie that doesn't involve a superhero or you know or as a sequel to a you know some huge blockbuster movie yeah. it doesn't get made not only does it not get made but it doesn't doesn't have an outlet there's no distribution yeah. and again there is this uh t- this tiny little twinge of hope that i have that there are so many outlets right now for for film that it makes me think there's a possibility there there's a there's a sliver of light where indies can come out again and push through and again i, I you know my me as a as a you know amateur filmmaker or whatever I, you know i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have far greater uh, opinions and understanding of what's going on out there than i do but but that's kind of what i'm seeing brian I, I know you've got some good opinions on this i think the i think the bar has sort of been simultaneously raised and lowered right because <laughs> if a movie is going to break through the the studio system um, such as it is uh like you said, Jason, it's going to have to have um, superheroes and explosions and and uh, be this huge, you know, Mission Impossible type tentpole movie. But uh, um, you know, so to get a movie in a theater, the bar's kind of been raised that way. But the the, the means of production for movies are now available literally to everybody. You know, we're running around with um, cameras in our pockets that are better than, you know, any camera that I could have hoped to get my first you know, 15 years in the, in the, in the, in the business. Um, so we've all got the capability to produce something. Um, you know, you and I could um, write a script in, in, you know, a week or two weeks and whether it's good or not, we don't have to get it approved by, by anybody. We don't have to get notes from anybody. We can just run out and, and make it. And, and it, wouldn't even necessarily cost us that much so everyone who wants to tell a story now has the has the tools to tell that story uh, so in that way the bar's kind of been lowered but the, the the it still takes a certain you know you still have to know how to tell a story you still have to understand kind of the technical aspects behind um editing and, and video and things say... like that but Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, I would say the distribution side of it is where I think I, I I like what you're saying in terms of yeah, everyone has the capabilities now. The level there's a level playing field when it comes to technical technological advancements of these things. Even when it goes to special effects, audio, 
you know, all your all your after effects and all those things, there is a very level playing field. The where it becomes more challenging for the amateur is distribution. You have to be super right. clever uh, on how you get it seen by by a large portion of the country. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean the the traditional theater theater route, even though that's obviously the best right. way to get the most the most looks. Um, so that 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 still to me remains the the difference. The when I say small movies are smothered, I, I think the mechanism of of Hollywood still does not want those things to be seen, and I and I think they make it very yeah. very difficult. I think even though the chances are slim that you know, we would see distribution, there is still a chance that we could upload the movie to YouTube or you know upload the movie to Vimeo. And it could catch fire, Absolutely. you know. And, and, yep. Um. You know. So we've got the mobility and the distribution network. You know, like everything with um, a podcast or being a stand-up or uh, yeah. producing any content of your own. The hard part is the marketing. The hard part is getting people to sit down and watch the thing that you've made. Um, and that's yeah. where the distribution machine then uh, takes over. But we've all got the ability to, you know, to make a thing right now. Any yeah. one of us could run out our front door and do a quick five-minute, you know, short film or a ninety-minute short film if we have the script. But uh, the, the uh, person, to your point, it's hard to get people to to see it. The person who cracks the algorithm for making something go viral is going to be, the, you know, the Bill Gates. Or, yep. or the you know, name another person who's choose change landscapes like that. That, uh, you know, Jobs, Steve Jobs, and these whoever is the person who says this is how you do it. The first one to to really crack that is gonna, they're gonna they're gonna be you know set for life because no one really knows how to do it. I still fully believe that, you know, getting someone to watch something, uh, uh, getting a group of people, a million people to watch something is is still an anomaly. It's so still hard. Yeah. It's so hard to, because it's, yeah, like I said, there, there, there's a million ways to, to get it out there. There's a million ways to, to get people to, to look at it, but no, no one's figured out the combination to make, to make people say this, this is something we all have to see. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody wants to be the 50 shades of gray lady, you know, right. you know, where she writes this, this crappy, series of books and then somebody sees them and it just explodes with no uh marketing you know no um you know nothing really on behind it other than word of mouth and then the studio see it and then they make three crappy movies based on these three crappy books but the, 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 the uh, uh, everybody wants to be that lady but we as 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 um as content producers we can't learn anything from her because she's the one you know, she's the top 1% of that 1% who was able to get something noticed. Um, you know, we learn things from the people in the middle of the of the pack. We can't learn anything from uh, the 50 yeah, Shades a of Grey story. Yeah, a thousand people can do the same exact thing that that lady did, and yep. absolutely nothing will happen. Mm -hmm. It's it's like, a, yeah, this, uh, it's lightning, you know? That that yep. path will never be followed again, and it can create the same, same electricity. It's crazy. Now, Brian, we... we can't there are plenty of people that love those movies for you to be calling them crappy movies <laughs> we're already uh, on this podcast and then the, the, 
time that a movie women love comes up, we just dismiss it as crappy. <laughs> it's not our brand for you to talk like that. Yeah, you're probably right. And I can't, you know, who am I to poop on anyone who's who's gotten a movie made because what's funny you know, is I think that's uh, in the book. Holy <laughs> 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 shit, did I say that? What did he say? I think that's in the book. <laughs> the pooping on the yeah. yeah. You can't poop on someone. Don't worry, Brian, Brian to edit that out. <laughs> no, I mean I haven't, you know, I haven't I haven't written well. I've written three movies, but none of them have been made. But but uh, I haven't I haven't made a movie myself. So I you know I have no I have no moral high ground to call something crappy or not. But but well, yeah, sure they're not you good. Do. Sure. I, I, I beg to differ. <laughs> you do, and so does everybody else. If you don't believe yeah. that, go look at anything that has social media mm-hmm. behind it, and you will see that everyone feels like they can judge art and anything creative <laughs> or anything that anybody does free will all the time without any without any filter whatsoever so uh and someone weird. who works in the industry saying that they don't have the right to shit on something uh i i'm gonna stop you there say by all means sir you've got some at least experience and education behind it but i just i just wanted to be a case of the movies were crappy or was it content that we as dudes just don't connect with like that? Like, what's the difference? No, I, 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 yes, I don't connect with it, but I did read about half of the first book and it is not good. It is not because I wanted to know what the source material was like. You know what I mean? I wanted to know what the source material was. Right. Right. Well, he kept stopping at the same part, you know? He couldn't make it past a certain part. <laughs> what, 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 do a lot of women say it was crappy? That's who I, that's who I want to hear from on there's a, there's a Oh, boy, here we go. There's a segment of the female population population that was, that was all over those books. And it's the same. It's, you know, a lot of honest honestly the, the the same segment of the female population that buys my wife's books it's it, it's kind of the same Whoa. thing Whoa. You, know? <laughs> you guys can't hear this it's the sound of me slowly backing out of the room what shovel man can we get to sponsor this segment <laughs> what was that will I said, what shovel manufacturer can we get to sponsor? <laughs> That's it. That's why I was back in the room. I was like, you're on your own, buddy. Dude, I know how much my wife makes movies. And you think I'm going to say Now, is this because you, Brian, you know your wife's books, so you know her standard, and therefore these books you don't feel live up to the standard that your that your wife's books have? Um, I wouldn't. Or my wife. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but the, it, I mean, just that particular that particular type of book you know not even necessarily the snm element of it but just that particular um type of book that the the uh how do i put this the yeah my wife is like eight feet from me right now she's like what what are you saying what are you gonna what how are you gonna put this um yeah it's the it's the it's the it's the woman who finds the broken man and yeah and gets the broken you know the guy's got baggage the guy's kind of a mess and she she fixes him it's that it's that 
and then she discovers something that she didn't know she liked in the in uh, i mean 50 shades of gray that's the case so he's you know he's broken but he's into all this weird stuff and then she's you know she's like i can fix him and then she gets into the weird stuff too i was gary say how she <laughs> she fixing him by putting her behind in the air <laughs> that's part of it oh <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the shades <laughs> I'm just saying there is something about is is that I and I really I really we got to get uh somebody who likes these books on the pod. We got to find a comic that likes these books to come on the podcast and talk about what the appeal is cuz I'm trying to understand it. Uh you know, it's the woman finding the broken man thing. Because some of these threads run through Tyler Perry stuff, too. So there's something here yeah, yeah. that's connecting with people that uh, certainly the shit I create don't connect like that. So I'm interested in knowing <laughs> what, what, what about this connects. I'll say this. I, I, will, I, I don't really know the books, but... I, I do it, it a couple of things sort of spidey sense pops up when the minute you know it's uh you know women find something that that they like and then people start kind of shitting on something they like it's like you know what, what c- can women just have something that they like whether it's some, you know gratuitous or whatever the hell those books are like who ca- yeah mm-hmm. get get it ladies enjoy them I, f- yeah, far be yeah. it for for me or us to to judge, I, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what? If it's just like a guilty pleasure, have, God damn it, have fun, right? Yeah, but that's kind of that's where my brain goes. The minute the minute it's, I, I I, you know, I hear these kinds of things where it's like the minute women do have something that it, you know, that there's they take take ownership to that dudes probably have the same thing somewhere else that no one thinks shit about, but women have it, and then we're gonna yeah. you know eat beat them up about it, you know, uh, uh, so. I have a little bit of that in in my brain. Yeah, I might think that. Uh, a magic mic comes to mind. Where, yeah, the people went crazy over magic, or women in particular went crazy over magic yeah. mic. Yeah, like, hey, good for them. Good. Yeah. Enjoy. Even that, Enjoy. even that, like, and it's not. And I say I don't get it. It's not for me to get or not get, but it's right. still, yeah, exactly. it still is an interesting exercise in my mind because there is something that resonates, whether it's there's so, like, like the rom-coms, right? Like my wife loves right. rom-coms, like loves them. And it is fascinating to me, like to, to try and dig into what particularly about it appeals to her and the flip side of it. What about you know, sports or some of the things I that that I'm totally into. What beyond the football and the uniforms? What at its essence is the thing that I'm drawn to? This is an interesting question mm-hmm. for me. So I I agree with you, Jason. I don't. Uh, I try not to poo poo on the things people enjoy, especially when I'm in a sausage fest. Uh, I really try not to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I I understand what you're saying, but it for me personally. I've always been kind of interested in what draws people to the things they like. Cause you have, and some of these reality shows, like some of the most, some of the brightest, um, you know, professional sharpest women I know love some shows where people sit across and cuss and throw drinks at each other. So mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, it's like, is it a relaxation thing or it's just fascinating to me. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I, think, I could speculate all day, but I li I'd like the idea of bringing someone in and say, "Why do you like this?" You know, who knows? Yeah. Is it a? Well, we can't say it like that. <laughs> why do you Why like do you this? like this? Um, <laughs> I think particularly with movies, if you look at movies like Fifty Shades of Grey and I mean, Magic Mike, there are so few movies like that for women. Um, I mean, like name one more, you know, name, name one more other than Magic Mike and Fifty Shades, name one more that was sort of uh, made for women with that theme, right? Um, whereas, you know, you could name a million movies, for, you know, that were made with men in mind from Showgirls to Porky's to, you know, uh, Animal House to you know, whatever, you know, you can go way back in time, but there's, you know, well, I, I can think, only, I think, uh, yeah, off the top, I take name two movies question, like that. They're aimed at women. And you take that question a step further and say, name those movies that are for women also made by women. Mm. So, so then mm. that to me adds a, a different element to it because, yeah. you know, uh, a, a, a movie, <laughs> a movie for women written by a man or produced by a man or directed by a man, I think it's going to have a different feel than it would be by, by something made by by a woman yeah, uh, you know, I agree. just new nuance yeah. you know um but something that comes to mind that uh, just watched this the other night was uh the first alien movie mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not not made by a uh by a woman but but that's a that's one of the you know strongest female characters who's not yeah. necessarily yeah. um sexualized mm -hmm. um necessarily i mean the very end you kind of she kind of gets in the skimpy clothes but uh which is a little gratuitous but but um yeah this was kind of brought to my attention the other night i was kind of fascinated by that and now that we're talking about it now it seemed really relevant but but yeah uh well it's uh it might be something for for the future to get yeah get i was gonna say too i think the other th the other thing that resonated i think with women for 50 shades of gray was that the the woman uh, played by who? Or, God, her name escapes me now. Um, Dakota uh, Dakota Johnson, right? Who, who's attractive, but not like supermodel attractive, right? Like you know, you wouldn't look at Dakota Johnson and go, "Oh God, she's really sexy." But that was the point. That was um, you know the fact that she is a woman that most women can relate to. They're, she's not six foot two. Uh, she's not a supermodel. She doesn't necessarily look great in heels, um, you know. But she can enter into this romantic slash uh, sexual relationship with this guy who is hunky and a supermodel and a billionaire and all this other stuff. And so I think that's probably what resonates with the average woman because this quote unquote average woman can, you know, connect with this guy. Am I, how much yeah, trouble man. am I in? How many stories are the, is yeah, the, well, is the every man? We make sure to, your wife is co-signing all this because we're speaking with a whole lot of certainty. <laughs> yeah, no, she, uh, uh, she's actually uh, sitting next to me nodding. She's she's in agreement. You wrote all that for okay. you to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if, well, if Tower agrees with it, then, then I can, uh, then I'm with it too. <laughs> Thank you. <yeah. clears throat> So I got right. one more thing I want to talk about uh, before we checked out. Uh, should we break the segment up or just finish out? Uh, let's take a quick break and then okay. come back with a quick segment after that.
Okay. All right. We'll be right back. How long do runners need to stretch before hitting the road? This is a 60-second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina. Stretching muscles while the body is at rest can lengthen muscles and help runners improve performance, reduce injuries, and recover from a tough run faster. But how long should a good stretch last? The simple answer is 30 seconds. This allows your cold muscles to relax and be ready for work. Taking the time to stretch properly is critical, especially if you're coming back from an injury. Something to note though, stretching a muscle group for longer than 30 seconds can actually decrease your speed and hurt your performance. In addition to a good pre-run stretch, spend some time after your run and stretch the same muscle groups for 30 seconds as well. This has been your 60 second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more training tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Welcome back, Comedy Zone Podcast. Uh, we we came back and uh, we haven't gotten any angry mail yet, but we still. <laughs> yeah, if you if you need it's... to reach anybody, uh, Balto, what's your what's what's all your social media <laughs> contact info? <laughs> you can. Uh, I am Will Jacobs on Twitter. Well, look. If you put that out there, nobody will go to it. So feel feel safe to use that. <laughs> nobody goes to that. Nobody. <laughs> mine either. <laughs> <laughs> no one even knows mine. Honestly, I have it. matter of fact, if you want to hide it, put it under mine. <laughs> <laughs> it gets as much traction as my TikTok. <laughs> Man, I still gotta learn how to use TikTok. I ain't learned that yet. <laughs> Do you use TikTok, Jason? No, no, I don't. I was that was kidding. I don't even have it. I don't even know what it is. I gotta gotta be honest, brother. We are so old. I mean, I'm gonna get on it if everyone else is doing it. Listen, I'll be that guy. I don't care. Look at look at the old guy trying it. Done. <laughs> I, lo- I, I love that you throw yourself into those things like that. Yeah, what do I care? We only we only get one shot at this. None of us are, none of us are getting out of this alive. So it's fair. <laughs> I might get on there, be like TikTok's the coolest shit in the world. I might make TikTok uncool. I don't care if I get to ruin it for kids. Perfect. I'm in. <laughs> well, I wanted to uh, play a clip for you all to get to get some reaction because this is something that we talked about a couple weeks back about actually when Joel Byers was on the show. We kind of talked about comedians, particularly young ones, doing a self-assessment 
uh, at the at the beginning of it all and really trying to look inside yourself and determine how you feel about this and what you want from this. And, you know, because you can spend your wheels a lot of years, you know, trying to match up, you know, something that um, something that wasn't necessarily for you in the way that you kind of went about it. So that, that may sound confusing, but let, so let me play the clip and then uh, we'll kind of get you guys reaction to that. So this is uh, Jerry Seinfeld. You may have seen the clip, but it's Jerry Seinfeld on uh, Howard Stern recently talking about uh, what it takes to be great at a given profession. Get whatever you want. Everything about my presentation was awful. Mm -hmm. But I said to myself, I'm going to work at this thing. You guys hear it? Just so I can make a living at it. I didn't expect Mm -hmm. to be a hit. I just wanted to make a living in radio. And I worked every day. I spent 10 hours a day at that station doing everything I could. And it took me years. And I thought, you know, it is possible to will yourself, maybe not to be the greatest in the world, but to certainly get what you want. Okay. I'm going to adjust. Go ahead. I'm going to adjust your perspective a little bit here. That was not will. What you were using what Michael Jordan uses and what I use is not will, it's love. When you love something, it's a bottomless pool of energy. That's where the energy comes from. But you have to love it sincerely, not because you're going to make money from it or be famous or get whatever you want to get. When you do it because you love it, then you can you can find yourself moving up and getting really good at something you wanted to be good at. It's Will is, 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 you know, Will is like not eating dessert or something. That's just forcing yourself. You can't force yourself to do, to be what you have made yourself into. You can love it. Love is endless. Will is finite. You know, perhaps you're right because. So I just paused it there. That was kind of the gist of his point. It goes on a little bit longer, but that was the core of his point is that Will can only get you so far. There's got to be a love for something to invest yourself to the degree that the great ones do. This is one of the reasons why uh, I have loved what Jerry Seinfeld does after Seinfeld. He, he had turned a corner and I know this isn't exactly what we're talking about. He turned a corner and he, from his comedians in cars, getting coffee to me, that's such a resource because you get these moments of Jerry Seinfeld who really can turn a phrase and boil things down to, just like he does in that conversation and say, you know, here's why something is successful. Here's what I know about the business. And he does it in such a very shrewd way. And that's a, that is a great clip to, to illustrate that. And, and I love it. I think it's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we talked before about people going after this thing and, you know, not if you're in it for the wrong reason, uh, you know, you can become really disappointed and, and you have to ask yourself, really, really, why am I here? Like, if you love it, then no matter how the chips fall, you won't regret spending your time going after it. Yeah. But if it's not something that you and you really because because I'm telling you, man, it really takes some internal investigation because it can feel good and you don't necessarily love it. So you you know that love piece that Jerry Seinfeld talked about that bears out over years. 
you know, you, you, you look at the effort that those kind of people put in and it's like, you know, like he told Howard Stern, it's, it's, it's more about, it's more about love than anything else. You can will yourself to do a lot of stuff, but you look at Michael Jordan, Jerry Seinfeld, Michael Jackson, any of the greats, they had a love uh, for for what they were doing. I, I just I just don't feel like you can get away from that part. I th- I think you're right. I, I I've often described, you know, getting into to comedy. It's a, it's to some degree it's a war of attrition is how I've described it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones who stay, the ones who keep working at it. The ones who just, you know, it's just, it's part of their life and no one's really going to stop them from, from doing that. Those are the ones who always seem to rise, right? They're the ones who they put the work in. They're always going to be doing it regardless of they're getting paid. If they're making the most money at it, if they're doing whatever. And I think the translation from what I'm saying to, to that is exactly what Jerry said is love. You got to love to do it. You got to find mm-hmm. the joy in it and, and have it make sense to you. Yeah, I think. And you really got to parse it down, too, because, you know, what what is it that you love? You know, you could love making people laugh and confuse that for loving stand up. Or, sure, yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of different avenues to make people laugh. And there's a lot of different you just really have to sit and, and think about it, because it's not like a traditional profession where, you know, college or university where you go, you take the required curriculum, you pick some elective courses and you graduate with a degree in that. <clears throat> Comedy doesn't operate that way. Comedy is going to be largely dependent on you creating your own curriculum and, and setting your own boundaries. So not only does it take hard work, but you have to structure the work and you have to, you know, figure out what works, uh, you know, so there's just so much. Yeah that's involved and uh man if you don't if you don't have a love for it 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 is hard seeing somebody sticking and staying man because it's it's just so many ups and downs and so much is on you yeah and and you know far be it for me to criticize anybody else's uh motivation and how they motivate themselves but every time i hear someone say and i'll just use uh jordan as the example they're like i'm gonna be the next jordan I'm going to be the next Jordan. I I hear that kind of talk. And again, I'm talking about comedy, not basketball. Mm -hmm. I, I always, in my brain, I'm always thinking that is such a, that to me is an, is a misguided emotional sort of want that, that I'm hearing Mm. that to me is unsustainable. Mm. You know, I'm not saying that Kevin Hart didn't aspire to be, you know, Mm -hmm. Eddie Murphy. But that that fire to me is way too bright to to burn the amount of time that it's going to need to burn for him to be who he became, you know. So every time I hear like I'm going to be the next this and I want to be famous and I want to be that's like man, you got to want to be able to learn the craft of what you're doing. And like you said, you got to you got to love that. You got to be able to you got to be able to sustain that through like you said these ups and these downs and stuff. I mean, it really, uh, it's a fascinating conversation, man. And I think that a lot of comedians could save themselves a lot of time or, you know, could get into a different avenue of comedy. Maybe stand-up isn't it. Maybe you're a writer or maybe writing isn't it. Maybe you're, so, you know, you just really have to sit and, and, and really take that time because 
you can just get caught up in going to open mics and going to clubs and trying to get gigs and trying to book this and trying to do that. And you're so lost in the weeds that you never step back and take that assessment and say, okay, what, what direction am I going again? And, yeah. you know, if you're not doing that, you can crisscross this country, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to, to no end, you know, and, yeah. and, and with, uh, without getting what you're looking for out of this. Yeah, and that's a that's a sad thing. You know, if you don't figure it out in in time, yeah. I, think that, I think that's kind of a sad uh, sad prospect. <laughs> a lot of bitter comics. <laughs> yeah, that, that came to that realization. Uh, yeah, too late, or what they too late. I, I won't name the club, but it wasn't long ago that I worked at a club, and the person running the club. Uh, was uh, was an ex comic, and uh, it was a it was uh, an interesting uh, experience, to to say the least. It wasn't it wasn't a happy person, mm. and I'm I'm assuming there's a lot of bitterness in that. And I, I probably already said too much, but that yeah, it was a, it was a, it was kind of not not a great experience. Just just from the you know a lot of a lot of people working at the place and and the experience that experiences that me and some of the other comics had was we all kind of all scratched our head going what what's going on here and that's yeah. it's a it's a kind of a little bit of a sad existence there mm-hmm. yeah well speaking of uh speaking of the clubs though but before we go it looks like some of the clubs are opening back up i see comedians posting about shows they got coming up is that the sense you guys have too uh, I know. Um, I mean, a little bit, but I don't know how you do that right now. Um, uh, I mean, at best, you can open at fifty percent capacity here in North Carolina. I don't know if that's. I don't know. Is that worth? I mean, it's worth it, obviously, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I, I... I imagine there's a couple ways to look at it. Like uh, I'm with you, Brian. That seems, you know, maybe it's a, it feels, feels too soon, but I think, I think everyone is, is, is sort of working on fumes right now and is sort of desperate. I think the clubs, the comedians, uh, the, 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 the audience, I think everyone is, yeah. It wants to make all the right decisions and, and wants things, want things to get back to normal. And I think it's, I don't know. I know the Comedy Cabana in Myrtle Beach was open this weekend, and they had every other row. Uh, they left empty, and uh, you know, and I, you know, sounded like the shows were okay. I didn't really get numbers or anything like that, but you know, I, man, I, I, I understand them being open, and I also understand that being somewhat appalling too. So I don't know. Interesting. Well, it's a. It's a discussion that'll be <clears throat> relevant uh, for the foreseeable future. So it's, it's a topic we'll certainly, uh, I'm sure, end up coming back to a bunch as these clubs start to open and, you know, we start to see what what that looks like. Uh, but that is all I got for this week, gentlemen. Anything to plug before we get out of here? I mean, not, uh, hopefully I'll have another uh, um, all over the place with Jason Allen King coming up, hopefully this, as early as this weekend. But uh, yeah, I'm still out there shooting stuff. Right, Brian. Uh, as far as I know, there'll be another 15 minute funnies from the Comedy Zone this weekend. Uh, so you want to check that out? Check out last week's if you haven't checked it out already. Jason had a couple really great shorts 
uh, in there that are worth the price of admission. Plus Paul Hooper, friend of the podcast, Paul Hooper. Um, it was a good, yeah, good, uh, good show last weekend. So yeah, uh, check it out at the Comedy Zone's Facebook page. It was for sure. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Good. And, and as for me, uh, I've been grilling a lot of chicken breasts lately. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been tinkering with different marinades. So I got a teriyaki that's really good. And I use this mojo seasoning or, or, uh-huh. or, or marinade that's really good. I, I grill those, yep. um, you know, most nights. Uh, so, uh, yeah, man, loving the chicken breast right now. So that's going on. What is going on with me? Um, so, well, maybe next week come with a, come with some grilling tips, man. Oh, I got you. Listen, we could do a whole I show. But I but I will have uh, I will have some grilling tips for you next week. That sounds really. I'm, I'm a novice, man. I'm not much of a griller, so if you can, oh, brother, you, you can, can you can help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay All right. I will. Um, you'll be happy to hear that uh, my wife and I are getting a new smoker. So we're Get very excited right. about that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. When when when? Well, damn. I was about to ask when can we come over, but. Well, not for a while yet. Yeah, y'all, y'all enjoy that. So what? So you? So, uh, yeah, you got to keep me posted on what you throw in the smoker, though, man. I've been, I've been getting, uh, been doing a lot of cooking lately. So yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. Well, y'all be safe, uh, everybody listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other, and uh, we'll see y'all next week. Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. 